Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hello, everyone, everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Hallelujah. We're so blessed that you take time out of your busy day to join us because we enjoy sharing the word with you. Jesus, the son of the creator of the entire universe, humbled himself and came down from heaven to live like you and I. And he lived complete, incomplete victory. Sin had no ties to him. And then, in the ultimate act of love, he gave himself to be crucified, tortured, punished, as if he had committed sin. He was innocent. He did not deserve any of it. But he bore our shame and punishment. And God honored that as a sacrifice in our behalf. And as proof, he raised him from the dead. And Jesus, all man, all God, is now our brother sitting at the right hand of the Father, continuously interceding in our behalf when we ask Him to. So let's go to this Lord, the one seated at the right hand of the Father, and ask Him to open our eyes this day as we study His, His Word. Lord Jesus, we ask for Your blessing upon our Bible study this day. Lord, that you would open the scriptures to us and give us wisdom and understanding that we can understand a deeper revelation of you and how you want us to walk in this earth, serving you and serving the Father in all things. To you, Lord, we give the honor, glory, and praise for all that you reveal in us and to us. May it be for the Father's honor and glory as well. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And amen. Hallelujah. That amen doesn't mean, and we're finished praying. That amen, amen actually translates as, so be it. Amen. So be it. Glory to God. Join with me in our confession of faith, where we will be uh, reciting what's commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed, but the words you need to focus and meditate on these words as you say them out loud. Because these words are the foundation upon which everything else is built. Amen? Repeat these words after me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and sits now at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from where he shall come soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And I believe in life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. So be it, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. As I was praying today, but what to share with you, the Lord brought me back to a message that is dear and near to my heart. We're going to study a little bit about Peter getting out of that boat and walking on the water towards Jesus. Now, you've probably heard many, many sermons about that, and so have I. And the reason why this sermon is so near and dear to me is this is the first sermon I ever preached after answering the call of God on my life to be a preacher. I'll never forget that. It was in Colleen, Texas. I'd gone to my pastor, oh, I guess about October of uh, 1993, and told him that I had been called, or I guess it was 1992, and told him that I had been called, or I believe God was calling me as a preacher. And I was expecting him to you know, lay hands on me and pray for me and give me some books to read and things like that. Instead, he put his hand on my shoulder and said, well, when you know for sure, let me know. And turned around and walked away. And I was like, what? I mean, that's not what I was expecting. But I thank God for that pastor, Pastor Hall, Colleen, Texas. Because he did not want to interfere with what God was doing. There was a work God was doing on me. And about two months later, because I argued with God. Oh, I argued with him. I didn't need to be a preacher. I didn't deserve to be a preacher. God must have made a mistake. And I argued with him about two months until finally I said, okay. And I went back to see him uh, about the first week of December. I think it was like December 3rd. I said, I told God, okay, I'm going to be a preacher for him. And Pastor Al said, great. Is it next uh, Wednesday? It was only three days away was a meeting of an assembly of churches, a pastor's meeting. And they always had three pastors get up and, and give a 15-minute sermon or so, just a little teaching. 
and said, you'll be representing our church. It's our turn to preach. You got it. So <laughs> from the time I told God okay to my first sermon was three days. Glory to God. And the sermon I delivered was Peter walking on the water. Amen. And I won't get into the details of that. I might mention as we go through it. But that's why this teaching is so near and dear to my heart. It's the first Bible study I ever studied out and then delivered in preaching form. Glory to God. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Now, the story about uh, Peter walking on the water begins in verse 22. But to set the stage for this, I'm just going to summarize from chapter 1 on down. John the Baptist had been arrested by Herod because Herod had taken his brother's wife and as now she divorced the brother and, and Herod had entered into an adulterous relationship with his brother's wife, which is sinful to begin with, for in the Jews, it's against the law. Amen. And then married her. She divorced the brother and married his brother, which is also against the law. And John the Baptist was speaking out against this. And Herod had him arrested because he's embarrassing the king. And Herodias wanted him dead. Just kill him. But Herod knew John the Baptist was sent from God, and he did not want to lay his hands on God's man. And he'd commune with John the Baptist and ask questions about him, and, and he did what he could to protect him. But for Herodias' sake, he never let him go. And then the story is that he held a big banquet for some other important dignitaries, and Herodias' daughter came in and, and seductively danced for all the men, and and they were like, wow, you know, she's pretty good. And he said, ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. And she said, I want, having been coached by her mother, I want John the Baptist's head brought here on a silver platter. And because of, Herod did not want to lose face with all of the other dignitaries in attendance, he ordered it to be done. And they beheaded John the Baptist and brought the head to him on a silver plate. She took the platter, took it to her mother, and her mother's like, good. Alright? That summarizes what took place. In verse 12, Matthew 14, verse 12, John's disciples came, took up his body, and buried it, then went and told Jesus what had happened. In verse 13, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by ship into a deserted place. He just wanted some time to pray and to meditate. When the people heard that he had left to go out to this deserted place, they followed him on foot. And I imagine when Jesus came out of the tent or the cave or wherever he was sleeping at, it says in verse 14, Matthew 14, 14, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude coming to him. And he was moved with compassion towards them because he could see these people. They're seeking him. And when you seek Jesus, you are seeking God. So these people were seeking God. They may not have realized it, but there was something about Jesus they wanted. And they would even follow him out of the city into the deserted areas. And he had compassion on them. And he decided he was going to fight back against the devil in the devil's realm. Amen. I mean, you want to talk about 
uh, anti-terrorism activities. The best anti-terror weapon the United States has is our special forces. What do they do? They go behind enemy lines and wreak havoc in the enemy's camp. Amen? That's what Jesus is about to do. He's decided this is how he's going to fight back. Amen? He took it to the devil. And it says here, he healed their sick. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good, healing all. Healing all. There wasn't one person who came to Jesus, and Jesus said, Ooh, wow. Uh, cancer, huh? Hmm. Man, you got something that me and the Father never thought of. Uh, I'll get back to you on whether or not I can heal you. No. He healed all who came to him. Every single person got their healing. Amen. And I'm doing a study. The book is about two-thirds done right now. It's in the second edit of what it means... When you come to Jesus, that's your demonstration of faith when you come to Jesus. Amen. And it says, everybody who came to Jesus, exhibiting faith in Jesus, received their healing. Amen. Okay, so we go down. Now it's getting late. And there's still this crowd there. Jesus is preaching. And the disciples interrupt the teaching of Jesus. They come out and stop the service. I mean, imagine that. Imagine you're in a meeting and Billy Graham's preaching or some other famous preacher. And he's preaching. And all of a sudden, the disciples come out on stage and say, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Oh, stop, stop, stop for a minute. Uh, it's getting late. Everybody's hungry. And you need to let them go so they can go find something to eat. You wouldn't do anything like that. But here, this is exactly what the disciples did. Jesus has a healing service going on. He's preaching and teaching the word, laying hands on the sick, healing everybody in sight. And the disciples come out and say, uh, Jesus, uh, stop. It's getting late. You need to stop. Jesus knew what time it was. He could see it was starting, you know, the afternoon was waning away. But he wasn't done. But here the disciples were like, Jesus, in case you didn't notice, it's starting to, you know, sun's getting ready to go down. And, and these people haven't ate all day. You need to send them away so they get something to eat. What did Jesus do? Verse uh, 16. Jesus said, they don't need to depart. They don't need to leave. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, where are we? You know, and I'm summarizing other stories here as well uh, from Mark and Luke. And John, uh, it says, they don't need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. They're like, we don't have anything to feed them with. We only have here uh, five loaves of bread and a couple fish. And Jesus said, bring the food here to me. And then he commanded the multitude to sit down. Again, why did Jesus command the multitude to sit down? One, you bring order. Submission to his word. They sat down expecting something. 
The disciples obeyed the command of Jesus to go make the people sit down. So they're in obedience to his word. And they're expecting something to happen. They don't know what, but they're expecting something to happen. The people sat down in obedience to Jesus' word. They're expecting something to happen. So there's faith now being energized throughout this crowd. Jesus, after the multitude had sat down, took the five loaves and two fish. Now, he didn't do it behind the curtain somewhere. He didn't do it inside a cave. He is out in the open. Everybody's sitting around. The, the, some estimates, you know, 5,000 men. And you figure, you know, a good chunk of them have wives and a good chunk of husband and wives have at least a couple kids. Some estimates go between fifteen and 20,000 people are in attendance. And they see and watch Jesus pray over these five loaves of bread and two fish. Looking up to heaven, he's recognizing that he needs God's help in this. He blesses the food. What does that mean, he blessed the food? Well, to invoke the blessing of God, you, we've studied this before back in Genesis chapter 2, uh, he's commanding these loaves, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. He needs the loaves to be fruitful. He needs the loaves to multiply. And he commands them to replenish or nourish the people who are sitting there. Amen. Then he distributes it. He starts breaking it and gives it to his disciples and tells them, go out and give them to eat. And everybody there ate, almost between fifteen and 20,000 people. But Jesus is not wasteful either. He commanded the, the disciples, now go and gather up all the fragments so nothing is lost. And they brought back 12 baskets full of food. Now, could you imagine that little boy who gave Jesus his bread, his, his two-piece fish dinner, basically? He takes home at least one basket full of food, if not more. Amen? Because when you give to Jesus... The Bible in one place says, He who lends to the poor lendeth to the Lord, and he will repay again. That little boy sowed a seed of a two-piece fish dinner. He sowed that into Jesus' ministry. Oh, glory to God, don't get me preaching now. That little boy sowed into Jesus' ministry to help meet the needs of the crowd, the group. Oh, amen. And Jesus blessed that seed, commanding it to be fruitful and multiply and replenish. And then he distributed. He received the seed and prayed over it. That's sowing number one. And when Jesus distributed it, he sowed. And the little boy now has a twice-sown seed. Glory to God. And he received an abundant harvest. Amen. All right. Now all that took time. And now in verse 22, it's getting dark. Amen. And Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship. That's an interesting word, constrained. He just didn't say, okay, guys, go ahead and get in the boat, go to the other side of the lake. No, he constrained them. He argued with them and more or less 
told them, giving them orders, get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. I'll send everybody away. You leave now. And the fact that it says constrained meant the disciples were arguing with him. Why would they argue with Jesus about this? All right. The Lake of Galilee, also called Lake Tiberias and a couple other things, Sea of Galilee, is surrounded on basically three sides by mountains. It's fed from the north and exits to the south. But the geographic layout of the area where this land is, if a storm is coming in, it can become gale force winds as it howls through the mountain uh, canyons. And the disciples seen the clouds that were beginning to form. And they're like, oh man, storm's coming. And now Jesus is getting dark and he tells them, okay guys, go ahead before me to the other side of the lake. And you know, basically he's telling them to go prepare the next meeting. Amen? Just as... Uh, Today, ministries today have their road people. They, they travel a few days ahead of the ministry to start preparing the meeting site. And Jesus is telling them, I'll send everybody away. I'm going to go pray. You guys go to the other side of the lake. I'll meet you over there. And the disciples are looking at the weather pattern, and they're fishermen. These guys are fishermen. They know when bad weather is coming. They also know when you see weather starting to form like it is right now, you don't go out on this lake in a boat. You pull it into shore and wait it out. And Jesus is saying, no, I told you to go. Now, what's he trying to do? One, he's already taught them the word, the authority of the word. He's demonstrated the authority of the word and healing the sick, feeding the 5,000 or 15,000, whatever it is. He's seen, or they have seen him in authority. He's expecting them now to take his word and go to the other side of the lake and not worry about what the weather's going to do. But them being fishermen are resorting to what they know. Oh, look out. There you go. It's not what you know. It's who you know. You need to know the Word. When you know the Word, John chapter 1 says, Jesus is the Word made flesh. Amen? When you know the Word, you know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you have His authority. Amen? But the disciples were relying on their natural thinking. And they're looking at the clouds forming and the wind starting to pick up. And they're like, we ain't getting in the boat. Forget it. We're staying here. And it says he constrained them. He almost pushed them, forcing them to get into the boat. And they did. And off they sailed. And then Jesus went up, sent the multitudes. Well, okay, folks, uh, i got to go on now. i got to go to another place across the, the lake. And I'll be back, but you guys go home now because you got some bad weather coming in. So they left. It says here, in verse 23, he sent the multitudes away. And then he goes up onto the top of the mountain and he's praying. After he's praying, this is verse 24, the ship was in the midst of the sea. They were only making about halfway across when the storm hit. Amen. Their boats being tossed to and fro. 
it's heaving and hoeing and everything else, taking out water. They're bailing. You know, remember, there's at least 12 of them in the boat. They're bailing as much and as fast as they can. Amen. And I can just hear them talking. I knew this was going to happen. I told Jesus. We tried to tell him this was going to happen. Oh, we are in trouble now. This boat's going to sink. There's no way we can swim two miles to land. I mean, we're all goners. It's, that's it. That's it. And in the fourth watch of the night, it's approximately 4 a.m., they seen Jesus walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it's a spirit. You know, there is a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say tradition, but a, a, like a belief. You know, kind of like uh, if a cat, black cat crossed, superstition, that's what it is. That's the word I'm looking for. There was a superstition in those days that, you know, if you were in life straits, if you were in deep trouble and you seen a ghost... Uh, it's all over. He's that's the spirit of death coming to take you. All right. They seen Jesus walking. All they at first they didn't recognize Jesus. They just seen a spirit walking on the water in the midst of the storm, and he's heading towards them. Amen. And they were deeply troubled. The Bible says they were crying out. They figured this is it. We are done now. And Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. In other words, don't be afraid. It's me. Don't be afraid. Be happy that I'm here. And Peter, I love Peter. I can relate so much to Peter. I wasn't a sailor in the Navy. I was in the Army. But I can relate to Peter. Peter could use the expression cuss like a sailor he spoke his mind he would fight at the drop of a hat if he believed something he believed it and you could not talk him out of it he'd fight you over it amen and i can relate to that on a lot of levels amen before glory to god but here peter's the first one that speaks up okay he sees his spirit walking on walking towards them and everyone's scared. And as the spirit gets closer, it cries out and says, It's me, don't be afraid. And he recognizes Jesus' voice. And says, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come to you on the water. Now what's Jesus going to do? <laughs> Peter, you can't walk out of water. That's only for me. No, he's been trying to get them to use their faith. So he says the only thing he can, and that is, he says, if it's really you, command me to come. So Jesus says, one word, come. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.